Good morning, everyone. John? Just uh, the Rish Kailu, Rabbi Kraus, thank you so much for the opportunity to share with you uh, some thoughts on Sefer Vayikra and really the culmination of Sefer Bereshis in general. And we'd like to give a perspective on a central segment of Parshas Vayichi. And Bez Hashem will help us enhance our understanding of the entirety of Sefer Bereshis. Because uh, I remember when I was in third grade, we had a responsibility. I don't know if I could have read a Pasuk in Chumash, but we did have to memorize many Pesukim in Chumash. And one of the first things I remember learning is what is called the Berchas Yaakov. Now, who decided that this was called Berchas Yaakov? Where does it say anywhere that it was called Berchas Yaakov? I remember, interesting, in... uh, in the Mechaber has a whole complex case, Ruvain, Shimon, Levi, Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, and who's Mevarech, and basically the Mechaber constructs the whole case, Nimsa, Shehim Zoichim, Leberchas Yaakov. And I remember, that that's actually the first time I saw anybody officially using that terminology, Berchas Yaakov, but is this, in fact, the correct description, the correct nomenclature for these 28 psukim. This is generally how we understand it. In fact, if we look at the end of the 28 psukim, the psukim concludes, <laughs> All of these are the tribes of Klal Yisrael 12. He blessed them. Rashi asks, many of them he didn't bless. Many of them he chastised. But what it means is, I would think that he only gave a bracha, let's say, to Yehuda or to Yosef, Talmud Loimar, Vayivarachosam, Kulam B'mashma. They all received brachos. But implicit in Rashi is, it doesn't say that they received brachos. So if it doesn't actually say in the 28 psukim that they received brachos, what are the 28 psukim doing? And then Rashi says that Binyamin got the chatifa of a wolf, and Naphtali got the lightness of a ram, so you would think each, each Shevet only got their particular bracha, and that's all, and each bracha is mutually exclusive. So Rashi says, therefore the Torah ends off, Ish asher kiver chasoy beirach oisam. Everybody got everyone's brachos. But let's focus for a moment. What exactly then are these psukim doing? Is everybody getting a bracha? It doesn't seem like when, Avram, when Yaakovina is talking to Ruvain, Ruvain got a bracha. I mean, Ruvain walks into the room, and Yaakovino says, Hey, Ruvain, tachas kamayim al toisar. You're impetuous. You're rash. You make quick decisions. I don't agree with them. You could have been great. You were primed for greatness. Sorry, pal. You know, you lost it. I have to take it away from you. Yes, sir, seis. Yes, sir, eyes. Shimon and Levi, what kind of bracha do they get? Yaakovino says, you know, you guys are terrorists. You destroyed the city of Sudan. You wiped them out. You never asked me. 
That's a bracha? What exactly is that? It's very nice that the psukim end off, that they all got everybody else's bracha. But at the end of the day, what exactly are the psukim doing? Okay, Pasuk Chavches is saying everybody got a bracha. But what is the objective of these 28 psukim? In other words, is there one thematic approach to these 28 psukim that we could say Yaakov Avinu in his final, final moments of life, is doing X. Or it's just random, right? stream of consciousness. Reuven comes in, Yaakov says what's on the top of his mind. Shimon comes in, Yaakov says what's on the top of his mind. So the Yabarbanel, maybe not typically the commentary that we uh, give the most attention to, he has a unique approach to Parshas Vayichi, and thereby the entirety of Sefer Bereshis, and thereby the entirety of the whole Torah Nebim and Ksuvim. This is a theme that appears in many of the writings of the Barbanel, specifically on Parshas Vayichi, Sefer Shmuel, Sefer Malachim, and many of the Hakdamas of the Barbanel to his various Perushim on Nebim and Ksuvim. And the Barbanel says we could basically summarize and encapsulate the four approaches that all the Rishonim have and we could say Yaakov Avinu is doing one of four things. Either Yaakov Avinu is trying to give a bracha to his children. After all, there's an idea in the last moments of life, one sees, there's a concept that a person's on the highest madrega that they're on. Like Yitzchak Avinu gave a bracha. He said, I'm about to die. I want to be mavarich my children. Maybe that's what Yaakov Avinu was doing. He was following in the footsteps of Yitzchak. Or perhaps he was rebuking his children. What did Moshe Rabbeinu do in his final days? V'zois ha-bracha she'berach Moshe, Barashi then says that Moshe Rabbeinu waited to the end of his life until he chastised the Jewish people. Rashi gives a number of reasons why it's not appropriate to really lay it on while a person is still alive. But at the end of life, that's the best time to give rebuke. Maybe that's what Yaakov Avinu is doing. Or perhaps, as a Barbanel, maybe Yaakov Avinu was speaking words of prophecy. Maybe Yaakov Avinu was telling his children what's in store for them, for the future, for their destiny, for their progeny. Or number four, says Abarbanel, maybe Yaakov Avinu was giving real estate advice. The end of his life, taxes are going up in New York City, and Yaakov was saying, you know, that you need to move to here. Zvulan, you live by the sea coast. Asher, you live in a very lush area. Maybe Yaakov Avinu was sort of being, establishing, being koivea, the nachala of Klal Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael. These are the four possibilities, says Abarbanel, that are brought in the Rishonim, in Rashi, in the Ibn Ezra. And the Abarbanel basically says that what all the Rishonim have in common regarding this subject is, again, not something that we could say, but the words of Abarbanel are, what the Rishonim have in common is they have not really addressed this issue. Is there one common thematic approach that could explain these 28 psukim? Says Abarbanel, to say that Yaakov Avinu was giving a bracha, it doesn't seem that way. What kind of bracha did Reuven get? Reuven was criticized. Shimon and Levi were severely rebuked. So certainly, Yaakov Avinu was not just dishing out brachas. To say that he was giving taichacha, to say that he was giving rebuke, Yehuda didn't get rebuke, Asher didn't get rebuke, Naphtali didn't get rebuke, most of the Shvatim were not, uh, did not receive Musar. 
prophecy, it's just prophecy. Many of the Shvatim did not receive any prophetic information. And Nachala, Nachala also, the, many of the Shvatim were not told where exactly in Eretz Yisrael they were going to live. So it seems, says Dabarbanel, that what Yaakov Avinu was saying, it's hard to have any rhyme or reason for the flow of the words of Yisrael Saba. Let's discuss a few other issues. This is uh, perhaps my favorite subject on Parshas Vayichi. And, uh, of course, we know the famous words of the Ramban. And I think the Ramban is uh, typically the most under well-learned uh, pshat on the Pasuk, Lo Yasser Shevet Yehuda. And we know what the Ramban says about the Chashmonoim and how they, see, they were punished because they usurped the Malucha. But what's interesting is the Ramban is almost a Das Yachid in understanding the words, Lo Yasser Shevet Yehuda, as he does, the Abarbanel disagrees, the Ran disagrees, and the Abarbanel focuses in on the Pasuk, Lo Yasser Shev Yehuda, which, again, according to the Ramban, means kings can only come from Shevet Yehuda. And the Abarbanel proceeds to ask ten questions on the Ramban, and summarily dismisses the Ramban's pshat. The Abarbanel says, really? Kings can only come from Yehuda? Shaul was from Yehuda. Yeruvim ben Nevat was from Yehuda. Who exactly was from Yehuda? Which kings exactly were? David and Shlomai? That's the whole Nevuah? That's the whole promise? Two generations? Not before and not after? And what about Bayashini? And what about for the last 2,000 years, asked uh, So what exactly does it mean, Lo Yosr Shem Yehuda? What about the Chashmonam? We know what the Ramban says, they were punished. But Yaakov Avinu on his deathbed, he's not just saying... Uh, I got contacted from Rabbi Zon's office, right? Parshas Vayechi is uh, the Shabbos in New York, at least, uh, dedicated to end-of-life issues. Everyone has to write their ethical will. So what, what's the Ramban saying? That this is the ethical will of Yaakov Inu? Yaakov Inu is just saying, Yehuda, my preference is that you should be the king. But of course, it's not really going to happen because before you, you'll have kings from other Shvatim. After you, there'll be kings from other Shvatim. Now, Barbanel says, if Yaakov Avinu is saying it, then it's prophetic and it has to come true. But it didn't come true. <laughs> what exactly is Yaakov Avinu saying? Lo Yasser Sheva Mi Yehuda. Now, Barbanel asks, Shmuel tells Shol that you blew it. But had you not blown it, Yikoin Malchuscha Lo'olam, you would have ruled forever. Really? What about Lo Yasser Sheva Mi Yehuda? The Pasuk says, Soim tasim melech mi You have to appoint a king who's Jewish. Really, that Barbanel says. So why do I need a Pasuk loya? If once I have loya sershev mi Yehuda, why do I need a Pasuk the king has to be Jewish? He has to come, not only has to be Jewish, he has to come from Shevet Yehuda. So Barbanel wants to know, what exactly does a Pasuk mean, loya sershev mi Yehuda? Another interesting question that Barbanel raises. So in the bracha Tadan, the, the Aliyah ends, Lishua Secha Kivisi Hashem. So what's Yaakov doing? He's saying Krishma Lamita now? In the middle, uh, he's, you know, Kiddush Shavana. Well, where, where, where does that come in? Lishua Secha Kivisi Hashem. What is that? That's a bracha, that's Teichacha. Yisachar, Chamor Gorem. Yeah, what a, what a lovely bracha. 
Snadan, you're a snake. You know, these are very touching, very moving. So what exactly are these 28 Sukkim doing? So the Abarmanel is unique in his approach to these 28 Sukkim, and I think it will give us a deeper understanding of the whole storyline and narrative of Sefer Bratius in general. And that is that Abarmanel says, in the last moments of the life of Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov Avinu sees 12 children sitting around the table. He sees different personalities, different inclinations, different futures. He recognizes that in no short time there are already 70, soon there will be hundreds, that's a Hashem, in a few generations, Shishim Riboy. And they need a leader. They need a Manhig. Not only do they need a Manhig today, not only do they need a Manhig when they leave Mitzrayim, they need a Manhig until Ad Who will be the Manhigim, the Gedolim, the leaders of Klal Yisrael? Forever. That is what is foremost on Yaakov Vino's mind. He would like to give them a bracha that is not paramount. He certainly has rebuke to give. That is not the focus right now. The focus is Yaakov Avinu is about to leave this world. Who will lead the Jewish people? Not only today, but Ad Yimais HaMashiach. And Yaakov Avinu then is going... One by one by one, through all of his children, analyzing their personality, their character, their midais, their geography, their act- actions. And he's determining, and he's going to be koiveya, who will be the manhige Yisrael until the end of time. So Yaakovinu starts with Bechar, Ruvain. Ruvain, Bechar, Riata. Koichi, Vereshesai. Ruvain, you were bo- born first. You are my first vitality. You are my first energy. Yeser se'es, v'yeser eyes. You should have had royalty. You should have had power. You should have had leadership. You had what it takes. You have the characteristic. There's only one thing missing. And Yaakov is saying, I'm not criticizing you. You weren't wrong. Maybe you needed to do what you did. And tavay alecha bracha. And we need Yerbu Kamaischa Bi Yisrael, but your mida was Pachaz Kamayim Al You're impetuous. You're rash. You made a decision on your own to take up the cause of your mother Leah when I put the mita Ba'oyel Bila. Maybe you're right. Yaakov's not saying he was wrong. I'm not punishing you. And you're a great guy. And we need, we need Yidin like that. When they see something wrong, they're going to be the first to uh, say it. But you can't be the Melech. Because the characteristic, the defining quality of the Melech is Melech B'Mishbat Yamid Eretz. You have to be Masunim Badin. You have to display a degree of patience, of understanding, of balance, of thinking it through thoroughly. But you cannot be rash. Yaakov is not criticizing Reuven. He is establishing for all the brothers. Let me explain to you why I feel that Reuven is disqualified from being Melech Yisrael, from being the Manhig of Kal Yisrael. Shimon and Levi, you're great guys, Shimon and Levi. But <laughs> you have anger. You acted violently. So you know what you should do? You cannot be the Manhige Yisrael, but you could definitely be Rabbeim and Rabbonim. And you could teach children. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky writes, 
We need fiery people. We need passionate people to teach Torah to Kali Yisrael, to be malam de tinoikos, so that they understand, so that the children understand the importance of the Messiah. But you cannot be the Melech. You cannot be the Manhig, as our Barbano writes, Melech b'mishvot yamid eretz. I'm not punishing what you, did, you for what you did in Shechem. And I'm not saying you're wrong. <laughs> and maybe you needed to do it. And we're happy you did it. But everybody needs to know that this is not the quality that is required for Malchus. But then Yaakov Avinu comes to Yehuda, and he points out in Yehuda the four essential qualities of, we'll see as Abarbanel says, not necessarily Malchus being the king, but being the manhig of Klal Yisrael. The Abarbanel learns that, again, not like the, the Ramban, the Ramban brings a riot from the Pasuk, Shevet Mishar, Shevet Malchusecha. That it says, Well, Yasur Shevet Mi Yehuda. What does Shevet mean? The Ramban says, Shevet means the Shevet of Malchus, as the Pasuk says, Shevet Malchusecha. However, says the uh, Barbanel, Pink Fakar, just the opposite. If the Pasuk says, Shevet Malchusecha, that means it has to define Shevet as Malchus. That implies that Shevet Stam is not Shevet Malchus. Shevet Stam is the Shevet of leadership of Kalisa. Lav Davka the Melech, but the Torah leader of the Jewish people. Number one, says the Abarbanel. Yehuda, Ata Yehuda. There's a difference between a Melech and a Moishel. A Moishel is a dictator. A Moishel, nobody really wants his leadership, but we have no choice because he's going to brutalize everybody if you, if you stand up to him. A Melech rules with the consent of the people. A Melech does not elicit the jealousy of the people. A Melech, the people want to honor because they recognize that we need him. Now typically... When somebody is in a position of leadership, others are jealous of him. Especially, especially, if they're siblings. Because our Barbanel writes, and it's worthwhile to think about this, the natural state of two siblings, where one is more successful than the other, is that the other one will be jealous. After all, says the Barbanel. They both have the same father and mother. They both have the same genetic makeup. They both very often have the same ingredients in their personality so when one is more successful than the other by nature the other sibling will be jealous and yet Yehuda never elicited the jealousy of his brother but Yehuda your brothers praised you they acknowledged you they listened to you they deferred to you that's the quality of Malchus that's the quality of leadership number two and we're going to go to Dun for a moment Dun had a good chance that Barbanel says Dun was a mighty warrior. Dun had power that's needed for Malchus. The issue with Dun is Dun was shvifoin alei derach, nachash oirach. He did it stealthily. He did it in an ambush. It wasn't regular, um, majestic, open, revealed warfare like a king battle. Dun battles in an underhand way, in ambush. That is not the approach. That is not the method of a king. That does not denote royalty. But Yehuda, Yodcha ba'oyrefa you grab the enemy by the neck. You fight openly. You tell the enemy, meet me 
at this mountain, at this time, and I'm going to blow you out of the waters. Yehuda fights. He has military prowess like a melech. But he's not violent like Shimon and Levi. Gur Arya Yehuda says the Abarbanel, he's like a, a lion cub. He's gentle. He, he, he is not violent in his approach to warfare. He's forward. He's open. He's powerful. But he does so like a Gur Arya, like a lion cub. But Uchalavi Miyukimenu, Yehuda has the endurance and he has the stability to ensure a successful sovereignty and a successful malchus. Says Abarbanel, you should know, from the moment that Yaakov uttered these words, and even before, Yehuda already displayed generations and will display until the end of time, Layasur Shevim Yehuda was never Nizbatel even for one generation in Klai Israel, from the moment Yaakov uttered these words until today. Says Abarbanel, when they didn't know what to do with Yosef, this Shevet said, do this, kill him, throw him in the... Yehuda says, Mabetza! Oh, Yehuda spoke? Everybody listened. Ruvain spoke? Nobody listened. They have an issue with Yosef. Who stepped to the forefront? Says Abarbanel, by Yomer Yehuda, Shulcha Hanar. When things were getting heated, Vayiga Shelov Yehuda. By the way, it's interesting. Parshas Vayigash. So they Yehuda Goishna. So they send Yehuda to establish a yeshiva shemimenu teitzei hayra liyisra. It's a pella. You're starting a yeshiva, not just a stami yeshiva. They're going to learn nashim naziken, you know, with Rabbi Baruch Ber and Rabbi Shimon Shkap. Avada. They need opening yeshiva lepsak halacha lasuke hilchasa shmaisa libe de hilchasa. And the Gemara says in Yuma, Poiskim can only come from either Levi or Yisachar. So this is not a Yeshiva Stam only Lamdus. This is Shemena Teitzei Hayra. Why would you send Yehuda? The Gemara even asks, what about Yehuda? No. The Gemara says, not Yehuda. Asuke Shemayat Salibi the Hilchasa is only Levi and Yisachar. Levi, Yoru Mishnatech Yaakov, Yisachar. Mnei Yisachar, Yoyde Bino Leitim. Why Yehuda? So the Marsha has an interesting kasha. Because the Gemara says in Sanhedrin that one of the things that Doyeg said about David was Vashem Imoy Halacha Kamoisoy Bechol Makoy. Wait a second, the Gemara says in Yuma that in terms of Lasuki Shmaisa, leave the hills, only Levi and Yisachar. So the Marsha says Melech Shani. Melech Shani. That a melech has the siyata deshmaya, not only to be great in, in limud, but also asuk So it's interesting. Fine, melech shani. But now you have Levi, you have Yisachar, and you have Yehuda. Why is Yaakov Avinu Dafka sending Yehuda? So possibly that when it comes, the melech shani is mamish melech shani, perhaps even more than Levi and Yisachar. So Yehuda establishes the yeshiva. Whose Degel was Kedma? Degel Yehuda. Who traveled first, says Abarbanel? Yehuda first. Why? Lo Yehuda. 
Who brought the first carbon by Chanukah Tamzbeach? Nachshem ben Aminada. Lamati the why? Because Yaakov said Nevuah lo yaser shem Yehuda. It does not mean Malchus. It means Torah leadership. Who got the first chelik in Eretz Yisrael? Yehuda got first. Who fought the wars first? Yehuda Yala. Throughout Nevi'im and Ksuvim, when Klal Yisrael are counted, they're counted, and then Yehuda's counted. Says Abarbanel, even in the Galus, the Reish Galusa always came from Shevet Yehuda. The Reish Sanhedrin always came from Shevet Yehuda. What about the Chashmoy Noem? Says Abarbanel, the Chashmoy did nothing wrong. It doesn't say anywhere that the Melech cannot be from a different Shevet. Even in the times of the Chashmonoim, says Abarbanel, there was always a Nugget Umetzaveh from Shevet Yehuda, who was the God of Yisrael, who led Klal Yisrael. What about in the times of Shoal? Even in the times of Shoal, the Gedol Yisrael from Shevet Yehuda. From the time of Asniel ben Kenaz, it's Loyansur Shevet Yehuda. So somebody asked, what about Moshe Rabbeinu? You know, it's interesting. There's Archaim HaKadosh. This is, I guess, a little bit of a digression on this week's parsha because uh, the Shita of Archaim HaKadosh is that who will be Mashiach? Moshe Rabbein. That's the Shita of Archaim HaKadosh. He brings it many times throughout Chomesh. He brings the Remez, Moshe, is Rosh Ma, Shehoya, Hu, Sheyia. That's Archaim HaKadosh. So in this week's parsha, he asks, but what about Lo Yasser Sheva Mihuda? Don't, don't you, I thought Mashiach has to come from David. He says, what do you mean? Moshe is Koilel Kol Yisrael. So he's, Koilel, he's also Koilel Shevet Yehuda. I guess it's one of those. But in other words, Archaim HaKadr seems to try to say that even the leadership of Moshe Rabbeinu had to be reconciled with this idea of Layasr Shevet Yehuda. And then the Abarbanel says a very interesting uh, idea. There's a Pasuk in Zechariah. The Pasuk says, I'm in number 13, if you want to see. The, the Abarbanel says, V'golos Yushalayim Asher B'svarad. The Pasuk says, V'golos Hachel Hazeh. It's Ad Sarfas V'golos Yushalayim Asher B'svarad. Which Abarbanel learns to mean that when Klal Yisrael was sent out of Eretz Yisrael, so then the entirety of Klal Yisrael was sent to many different countries, including Sarfas, which is France. But the family of David was sent specifically to Spain. That's how that Barbanel learns. He says, in our times, we're talking in the 15th century. You know, that Barbanel was um, born in the year Kuf Sadi Ches. That's 1438. And he was nifter in the year Reish Samach which is 1508. And because the Abarbanel was so beloved, they said about him, he wasn't nifter in the year Reish Samach but he was nifter in the year Ches Samach Reish, the year Chasar. Because five days before the Abarbanel was nifter, the Mari Mintz was nifter. And in Italy today, they're buried side by side, the Mari Mintz. <coughs> And uh, the Abarbanel, and they were both nifter in the year Chasar, the year 1508. So the Abarbanel lived 70 years, interestingly. 
says the Barbanel, in our times, all the Gedoyle, Yisrael, trace back their lineage to Shevet Yehuda. Which is interesting. As we know, Rashi came straight from David HaMelech, and the Rambam came straight from David HaMelech, the Marshal, the Abarbanel. Actually, somebody wrote a book, Neil Rosenstein, about the Luri legacy, about um, all the Gedoyle Yisrael, they all trace back to David HaMelech. The interesting thing is, probably almost everyone in this room traces back to David HaMelech, because almost all Ashkenazic Jews go back to Rashi, because in times of Rashi, there are only 10,000 Ashkenazic Jews, and Rashi had five daughters, and statistically, it's... Uh, Unlikely that uh, for somebody not to come from Rashi, so that's a good thing. What? Does mean he has to come from the father? I guess not, because uh, he brings. He says the Reish Galusa came from Yehuda, and the Reish Sanhedrin ca- came from Yehuda, and Toisva says somewhere in Hoyrios that. The difference between the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin and the Reish Galusa is one comes from David from the mother and one comes from... Unless they both... Oh, that's David. In other words, they both come from uh, from the father, they come from Yehuda. That's what he says. What? Namaisa in the Hakdama of the Shailu Meshev, he has a, a little bit of a different take on this. He says that a lot of the Gedali Yisrael come from Shevet Levi. And he traces back all the G'daylam that come from Levi. But Lamaisa, if you compare the two lists, one, one list is much, much bigger than the other. But he has a, he has a, a theory that um, many, many Paiskim come from Sheva Levi. But again, that's what the Gemara says, you know. We're going to find a Paiskim from Levi and from uh, and Umelech Shani. But what's very interesting is these words of the Barbanel, of Layasr Sheva Yehuda, is definitely Ru'uyim Lamisha Amram. Because Abarbanel writes in many Makoyrois. And the Chidar says the same thing about him in the Shem Hagdoilam. That Abarbanel himself was Choyter Migeza Yishai. He himself was a direct descendant of David Hamalach. And certainly, he was somebody who exhibited the mantle of uh, Torah leadership that he's describing of Loyasur Sheved Mihuda. Interesting, just on a side note, the uh, Abarbanel has a trilogy of Svarim that are not so well known. He has a sefer called Yeshua's Meshichai. He has Mayone HaYeshua on Sefer Daniel. And he has something called Mashmiya Yeshua. And he has a very interesting question on the Rambam. The Rambam, of course, we know he has Yud Gimel Ikrim. And... Akasha that Barbanel has on the Rambam is the Rambam seemed to have forgot to list the most important Iker Ho'amuna. Say what? The Rambam forgot to list the most important Iker Ho'amuna? It's all in there. Hashem created the world. That Hashem is Manhig, Schar Va'oinesh. And says Abarbanel, what's most surprising, that Barbanel asks, in the Mar Nevuchim and Chelek Beis, the Rambam writes, the Yisoid of Kala Tarakula is what he calls the creation ex nihilo, that Hashem created the world, Yeshme Ayin. And that is not on the list of Yigimu Ikram. So there should be 14 Ikram. This is the Kasha 
that many Achorinim ask on the Rambam, most notably the Abarbanel. And the Abarbanel says, there is no question, of course the Rambam refers to the Sikr, and the Rambam is talking about the Sikr, and that is the fourth Sikr. An imamim be'munu shleima sh'aboi yisbar shemai hu rishayin v'hu achrayin. That Yibam Shalom is first, and he is last. So implicit in that, if God is first and nothing came before him, implicit in saying Yibam Shalom is first, is that whatever came after him, he brought into being. So part of the emuna that Hashem was Rishon, is Hashem was Mamtsi Hakoil Yesh Me'ayin. So what's very interesting is they recently found the Rambam's handwritten copy of the Yud Gimel Iker. And on the side of Iker Dalid, the Rambam wrote in his own handwriting that this is Koilel Brias HaOilam Yeshmei. They discovered that. They found that. It was actually on display. But uh, this Chiddush of the Abarbanel uh, was clearly what the Rambam had in mind. So now the Abarbanel continues with some of the other Shvatim. So we're up to Yehuda. Yehuda, says the Abarbanel, you have what it takes. What? Yeah, the four uh, that the Abarbanel says, and they're in number 11. In number one, he did not uh, engender... He did not elicit the jealousy of his brothers. He had military prowess. He was gentle, like a young cub. And he had the stability and endurance to have a successful sovereignty. Now Barbanel says, what about some of the other brothers? Let's talk about Yisachar. By the way, interesting... Uh, uh, we know what were some of the great contributions of Shevet Yehuda. So interesting, we know that David Amelch wrote Tehillim, Shlom Amelch wrote Shirashirim, Mishle, Koheles. So Chsam Soifer says, firstly, we have Tehillim. Yehuda Ata Yoiducha. You will praise. You will praise me with Tehillim. And who wrote Tehillim? The Gemara Babasar says, Ten Chachamim wrote Tehillim. So this is Marumaz Ata Yoiducha. The ten Chachamim, the ten Zikanim who wrote Tehillim. What about Mishle? Loy, Yasser, Shevem, Yehuda, says of Samsoifer, Rashitevois, Mishle. What about Shir Hashirim? Ad Kiyavai, Shilai, Shilai, Rashitevois, Shir Hashirim, Lishloimai. And what about Koheles? The Loy, Yikahas, says of Samsoifer, Oisiois, Koheles. So the four contributions are Tehillim, Shir Hashirim, Koheles, Mishle, these are like the sweet waters of Shevet Yehuda. V'nachal Adonecha, Sashkem, says Achsam Soifer, Tehillim, Shir Shirim, Koheles, and Mishle. Let's talk about Zavulan. Zavulan, here's the thing. You're a very talented individual. But you're a businessman. And we need businessmen. And we need people to support the Torah. But a king cannot be a businessman. The two don't go together. Imagine if somebody goes to a king and he's standing in audience with the king and the king says, you want to buy a watch? You know? <laughs> it, it doesn't go together. Business and sovereignty, they're both necessary, but they don't meet. So therefore, Zavulan, you continue um, in commerce, you continue supporting the Torah, you're not the guy to be the melech. Yisachar. Yisachar, you're a hard worker. Chamor Garen. You work hard, 
and then you like to rest. You're a nine-to-five guy, and then you take it easy. You're you, you crouch down to do your job with great focus, and then when the day is over, you like to take off. That's very uh, understandable. But the king has to be somebody. The king is not a nine-to-five job. He's not somebody who works and then's vacation. There's no off time for the king. The king is always on call. And therefore, Yisachar, you're cut out for Avoida, you're cut out for Limanat Torah. However, Malchus is not your cup of tea. Done as we mentioned. Now, this is very interesting. Here's where you see a little bit of the Kaychachidosh of Abarbanel. Done, you're a powerful warrior. You have military prowess. However, the method with which you go about doing warfare, you're you do it backhandedly. You do it stealthily. You don't do it you don't do it with great majesty like Malchus. When Klal Yisrael left Mitzrayim, Rebbe Shem said, you're going to leave in the middle of the day and you're going to see the Malchus Shamayim, the way a king fights warfare, is with great pomp and ceremony, but done, you do it stealthily. This is not the type of salvation that we hope for. This We hope for Lishu Asicha Kivisi Hashem. The salvation of the Rebbe Shem is brought to fruition in a more open and revealed manner. God, you don't have the stability. God, God, you're powerful soldiers, but who was carried away first of the Aser Sashvatim? God, so you don't have the endurance, you don't have the stability for Malchus. Asher, listen, Asher, you're a baker. Great. Kings need bakers. Kings need good danishes. Sunday morning, Friday morning programs need good bagels. You're not, you don't, you, yitain madane melech. You're not a melech. You will give the madanim to the melech. Naftali ayola shlucha. You will deliver clear messages. You're a good speaker. You're a swift runner. You will deliver the messages of the king, but you're not a king. Yosef, you almost had it. Bein paras Yosef, bein paras aleoyim, double lasha, neither menashe nafrayim. Or you fought your Yitzhahara, you supported Klal Yisrael. You have the midah of sovereignty. The Yosef who has shalit. There is only one ingredient missing in Yosef that did not allow him to be the Melech. Says the Barbanel, Your brothers hated you. Somehow, your leadership elicited the jealousy of your brothers. Actually, I'm not criticizing you. You know I love you. I gave you the Ksenes Pasim. But you have to understand why I'm giving Malchus to Yehuda. Because Yehuda is Ata Yoiducha Achecha. They deferred to him. He didn't elicit their jealousy. And the brothers hated you. And those were the parting words of Yaakov Avinu. And Avada, he gave all the children a bracha. And everyone got everyone else's bracha. But that is not at all what took place in the 28th psukim that we classically refer to as Berchas Yaakov. According to the Abarbanel, Yaakov Avinu was being koivea, the leadership of the Jewish people until the end of time. 
And let's try to understand, based on the Sabar Benel, why is this so critical? Why is this so important, especially at this juncture of time in the life of the Shvatim and the life of Yaakov Avinu? And for that, we have to go back to Mechiras Yosef. And I know there are many Perushim in Mechiras Yosef, but I think there's one approach that fits like a glove into the way that Abarbanel learns Parshas Vayichi. Because we know there's this very difficult Maimar Chazal that when uh, the brothers sold Yosef, they put God, the Rebbe so to speak, in Cherem, that the Rebbe cannot be Megala what they did. What exactly does that mean? The Medrash Rabbah says openly, when Yosef said, Ani Yosef, Yehuda said, I'm going to kill the man. And they wanted to kill him. Well, wait a second, a few days earlier, they said, Avol Hashem HaManachnu, they did Mamesh HaTshuva, like Ni'ilah on Yom Kippur. Hashem HaManachnu, Vizchanu Elenu, Oi, right, they Mamesh cried. And Yehuda said, Oh, now, like him, Matzah Savayin, and now, Yehuda said, Ani Yosef, they want to kill him. And what's most, to me, one of the most telling things in Sefer Bereshis is that as Yosef is going down to Mitzrayim, right? They sold him already. They put him in the pit. They sold him. And you would think, the Torah would say, okay, and Yosef went down to Mitzrayim, cut. All of a sudden, the spotlight changes. And there's a man by the name of Yehuda. And he, and he has the Oinan. And Yehuda gets, they both die. And Yehuda and Tamar <coughs> produce Zarach and Paratz. And that story is over. Oh, and Yosef comes down to Mitzrayim. Like this little episode of Yehuda and Tamar is injected as Yosef is going down to Mitzrayim. Right before, you would have thought the Torah could have at least said, Yosef went down. No, before he actually is said to have gone down, we have the story of Yehuda and Tamar. These are all the kashas of the Shlah Kadosh, and the Shlah, interestingly, he groups together Vayeshev, Miketz, and Vayigash. Those three parashios he groups together. And the Shlah says that the theme of Sefer Bereshis is that the brothers held that Yosef was usurping the Machos based David. The reason why the brothers wanted to sell and kill Yosef because the Mar says in Sanhedrin, Kala Maharar Achar Malchus Beis David, Kila Maharar Achar Ashkina. Why? Why, if you challenge the Malchus Beis David, are you challenging the Shechina? Because we have to understand what is the role of Malchus in Kali Yisrael. The Shlach Kader says, Ruvain was born, Shimon was born, Levi was born. Ah, oh, Yehuda was born. Vata Moid Miledes. Why a lashon of Amida? Because Rivan Shlom's Kisya Kavod has three legs. Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. And on three legs, the Kisei HaKavah will topple. The fourth leg of the Kisei HaKavah is David HaMelech, which means David gives stability to the Kisei HaKavah. That's why when Yehuda was born, it says, Vatamoid Miledes. David HaMelech, Malchus, reflects the Malchus Shamayim. That's why the Briskorov writes. We have two brachas in Shemona Esri. We have Yerushalayim, we have Semach David. So Semach David is Malchus based David. Yushalayim is Yushalayim. Why do we stick David into Yushalayim? Wrong bracha. Bechisei David should be in Semach David. 
says the Briskarov, there are two Yisoides. There's something called Malchus based David, but even the Ir Hashem is not the Ir Hashem without David sitting on his kisei, because David gives reflection, he manifests the covered Shemayim. David HaMelech is the regel, revi of the Kisei HaKavah. The Shlach says, look at the word Yehuda, and you'll see Niflois. Yehuda is your Kevavke, and the Dalit is because Yehuda creates the fourth leg of the Kisei HaKavah. When we have a, a Malchus based David, Riban Shalom's Malchus is recognized in the world. Perhaps we could suggest, that's why the brothers threw him into a pit of Nechashim, because the Gemara says in Sanhedrin, Kol HaMaharer, Achar Malchus based David, Roy Lahakishai Nachash. Open Gemara. So the brother said, if we're paskening that he's Mahar Achar Hashchina, we got to punish him with the snake. And therefore, the brothers wanted to get rid of Yosef. It was a matter of halacha. And they joined the Rebbeinu Shalom with them. You know why? Because he was challenging, in their viewpoint, the Rebbeinu Shalom himself. Call him Maharer Achar. Malchus based David, Ki'ilu Maharar Achar HaShchina. The Shloss says, therefore, the Shchina had no choice but to join the Shvatim in the decision against Yosef. So the brothers, when they realized all the tsara that was happening to them, they had Chalisha's Hadas, they said, oh, we must have misunderstood what Yosef's dreams were about. He probably never really wants to be the Melech. So they did Shuva. But then when Yosef said, Ani Yosef, and he sees the man wearing the crown, and he's the most powerful ruler in the world, they said, we were wrong in doing Shiva. Now we got to kill him. We have to follow the initial Psaq. We were only, we were Chayzer Betas, the Shlach says. The Shlach says, the Mechiras Yosef was sticking up for the Malchus based on it. However, the Shlach says that Yosef HaTzadik never had illusions of Malchus Yosef, we know, is the Midah of Yesoid. The difference between Yosef's role and Yehuda's role, it says the Shlah, before we can have a Melech, we need to consolidate the people. We need to forge the people into an Am. So Yosef goes down to Mitzrayim. He lays the foundation of Kedusha. He consolidates all of Klal Yisrael. The base Yosef writes that the Bracha of Mechabet Nidche Amo Yisrael was formulated when Yosef and Yehuda are reunited in Mitzrayim and all the Shvatim are together. The role of Yosef is not to be a Melech, but to be Yesoid. To lay the foundations of the Jewish people. And once the Jewish people are consolidated, he takes a step back and That is the role of Yosef, that is the role of Yehuda. The brothers thought Yosef wanted Malchus. Yosef didn't want Malchus, he just wanted Yisoid. And therefore Yaakov Vino recognizes that this whole mess, or apparent mess, or divinely orchestrated series of events came about from a misunderstanding of what Yosef's role is and what Yehuda's role is. And therefore, in the end of the life of Yaakov Avinu, he sort of sets the record straight. Malchus belongs to Yehuda. Leadership of the Jewish people belongs to Yehuda. However, Yosef, throughout Jewish history, always sets the stage. He always lays the foundation. Be it the Mishkan we first had in Shiloh, the Shlach says, in the Chelek of Yosef, that 
created an Am Yisrael in Eretz Yisrael, whereupon the Mikdash was built to be adjacent to Shevet Yehuda. By the way, the whole Machloikis, Yehuda and Yosef, is where should Binyamin be? You know? Yosef said, You give me Binyamin. I want to lay the foundation. Ad Kach, even I want to be next to Binyamin in terms of the base Hamikdash, not just Mishkan Shila. Yehuda says, Give me the kid. He's next to me. The Mikdash is next to me. Yosef sees Binyamin, he starts crying over the Mikdash because Yosef wanted to lay the foundation further than Shilai. Yehuda said, no, no, no. You know, we don't need such a strong foundation. That, that's part of my sphere. The Mikdash is adjacent to Chilak Yehuda. And the Shlach says, even the Achras Hayamim, there's a Mashiach ben Yosef and a Mashiach ben David. Sheikh ben Yosef will do the same role that Yosef did in Mitzrayim. However, Yosef will be Mesake, Mishla says, to a certain extent of, at least in the way it was perceived by his brothers, of stepping over the border. Mashiach ben Yosef, so to speak, will be Moister Nefesh and give up his whole existence, give up his life for Klal Yisrael to be able to usher in the Mashiach ben David. So this perhaps opens up a uh, new understanding of just the flow of the parshiyos by Yeshev, Miketz, by Yigash, by But says the Shla. Now we understand the placement of the story of Yudan Tamar right in middle of the Mechiras Yosef. Why is it placed over there? Because the whole purpose of Yosef going down to Mitzrayim is to lay the foundation for. The Malchus based David. So Yosef is sold. He's about to get there. Pause, stop, says the Tarak Noisha. We just want to let you know what this is all for. What is this all about? What is it setting the stage for? It's setting the stage for the Malchus based David. And we could say that it's a Mitzrayim, going down to Mitzrayim is, so to speak, Koilel all four Goliaths. As we know, Mitzrayim was Koilel all the Golosim. And what will get us out of Gauls, of course, is the Malchus Beis David, the Mashiach. So Yibar Sham, right before Yosef gets down to Mitzrayim, which is Koilel, all the Golosim, Yibar Sham says, wait, we have to be Makdim, the Rafua to the Maka. Yibar Sham then sets the stage of the Mashiach ben David, who will ultimately yank us out of all the Golosim, which be Zoycha, Sheyavai, and Herav Yamino, Amin. The Maran Sahib.